We all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, welcome to Finding Faith. I'm Juliet, author of Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps to Finding Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church. If you're just tuning in, and I, I am continuing to talk about Lessons in the Leaving, which is the title of Chapter 3 in my book, uh, where we go a little bit more in-depth here. Last episode, last podcast, I talked about my church and faith foundation being very charismatic. One could argue very fundamentalist in its orientation. There were some rules um, that I recall that I remember. Uh, women didn't wear makeup, couldn't wear makeup, weren't supposed to wear makeup. Women uh, we're not supposed to wear pants. Women could not, did not preach. There was no secular dancing or music. Um, I remember a rule about not playing cards. Um, some of those things are small in terms of consequence. Other things that sort of have stayed with me as I as I continued my church journey from there. From... Pentecostal, charismatic, Baptist church, I found my way to Southern Baptist, which is sort of a blend of those early experiences, not unfamiliar, definitely more Bible study, more teaching and preaching. In in retrospect, I I, I believe this is where my curiosity about the Bible and what it actually said or didn't say began to take root and grow. Um, despite my, my foundational church experiences, uh, Southern Baptist, or at least the ones that I was affiliated with, um, it was quieter. Um, they were much more racially integrated, which which made sense to me because by then my my personal life was very much integrated. I lived, worked, and played in integrated integrated settings. I had an eclectic circle of friends and associates, and it made sense to me that I should also worship in integrated settings. That was that's actually something that's um, that that process is, has traveled with me in my um or rather that orientation has traveled with me in my in my uh journeys through church community as it um was a part of my journey um again the the I, I talked in the last podcast about uh growing away um from church communities as life changed and life took a turn. So 
in this instance, life took a turn when my first marriage was uh, in the process of failing. Um, so I moved again. Um, we we separated, and I I actually had moved to a southern state for job reasons, and that there is where I met my my then husband. Uh, we we met, we dated, we married, we we bought a house, we had a kid. Um, because that's what good Christians do. That's what good Christian girls do. And in that order, such was my orientation. Um, such was my indoctrination. Um, fast forward to nearly a decade after that, I found myself in a U-Haul with, with that little girl on my way back to my home state um, that would begin a year-long separation from my then-husband. Although that indoctrination um, had kept me locked in an abusive marriage, it did not sever my relationship with the church. By then, um, I had discovered that there were fundamentalist, non-denominational church communities. And I, again, I was in another town by then. I was familiar with the rules. I mean, it was familiar. It was a familiar community. I was familiar with the study. I yet again um, immersed myself, not so much in, in, in the church polity or, or the church politics but I immersed myself in devotion and commitment and study. Somehow, I and I and I don't know how now that I that I know who I am on on this side of this journey. I don't know how I stayed so separate from the church politics. Yet I did, until one pivotal Sunday when uh, my husband, after um, this is our an, our, an attempt at reconciliation, um, he decided that he wanted to attend church with us, me, me and our daughter. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was a, uh, pivotal day that, that was the day that I not only left church, but left God too, or so I thought, um, on that pivotal Sunday, my then non-denominational fundamentalist pastor welcomed my husband into the church at the after-service cookie and coffee reception, um, because that's what you do. Um, in, in, in his dialogue with, with my then husband, he was mildly admonishing him about being the head of his household and the priest of the home. Um, this is, this was not unfamiliar language to me. So in, in, in retrospect, I, I believe pastor was doing what he believed was his pastoral duty to get my husband to understand that his wife and his, and his kid shouldn't be attending church without him, that our family 
unit was not complete unless he took his rightful place as the head. They had a nice chat. I stood there in that little circle with them going quietly numb because pastor didn't know. I'm not sure I even knew in that moment that this was the moment that I was done. Pastor didn't know anything about my husband. He didn't know anything about my marriage. All he saw was a picture of what a Christian family was supposed to look like. He knew nothing about the abuse I had endured, knew nothing about our year-long separation, knew nothing about either of us, really. Um, not, not his fault. I, I, he's just doing what, I, what he thinks is his job. But that was the day that I left the church. And because of my indoctrination, that was the day I also left God. Those two things were inseparable in my mind, and I could not, I believed I could not have one without the other. So I left it all behind. Shortly thereafter, we're, we're talking days, perhaps weeks, I left the marriage for good. Um, I should interject here that all the things that the experts say about how dangerous it is for women when they try to leave abusive marriages, well, all that's true. Without going into the gory details of all of that, I will just say it was a traumatic time, but I survived. We, my, my daughter and me, we survived. For the next couple of years, um, I focused on surviving, healing, being a single mom of a super smart little girl. I focused on career. I focused on making a safe home for my little girl to thrive in. I didn't think much about church. Didn't think much about God. Truth is, I was angry at God. God had failed me. In my mind, I had done everything right. I had done everything right according to my religious upbringing. Things were not supposed to work out like this. So I put it away. I put church away. I put God away. I focused on other things. I um, uh, became uh, a dedicated single mom. I was at all of the, all of the school events. I was, I was at the, the PTA meetings, the, the parent teacher conferences. I eventually started meeting and talking with other parents, which, which was excellent, which is good for me. Um, it's good for us. Um, meeting and dialoguing with people at work, developing, um, I was uh, developing a bit of a social group. Um, but a curious thing started happening. Um, people would ask me, in, inevitably, they would ask me, where do you go to church? And because it's a, I guess it's a, it's a thing of conversation. And in response to my nowhere answer, um, almost 
almost always I would be invited to attend their church one Sunday. Um, And when I say people would ask me, this happened multiple times. It was, it was curious. Um, But in in any case, when it first started, of of course, I I smiled and I was polite. Uh, I politely ignored them. Uh, cause me, I'm, I'm still not on speaking terms with God at all, uh, during this, this, this period, this two year period. Um, and again, it, it became, it became comical, um, because I, I meet different people in different circumstances and different social, social situations. We chat for a bit about whatever work, school, parenthood, kids, and, randomly these different people would ask that inevitable question where do you go to church and 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 again my response is nowhere and and then they would do the thing uh which would would was invite me to their church one sunday um <laughs> the curious thing was that it was the same church it was different people in different circumstances, the same church. It got ridiculous after a time. Ridiculous enough that I started paying attention. Even more interesting, again, in retrospect, I knew exactly where that church was because I had noticed it on my usual route to work. So by now, of course, it's in my head and I'm paying attention to what no longer feels like a coincidence. So, and if you, if you listened to the previous podcast, you know that I have um, this, this foundation of, of knowing that God works in ways that are both mysterious and interesting and unexplainable. And so the fact that I had, I knew right away, well, not a right away. I didn't know right away at all. It had to happen over and over again for me to finally start paying attention, but I knew it was, it was not coincidence. But um, about two years later, after walking out of church and away from God and being angry with God and not on speaking terms with God, I walked into that church building that I had received various, various invitations to new people, a woman pastor, enthusiastic worship, preaching that spoke right to me in that moment. And I knew in that moment, I knew, didn't quite understand it but I knew that I had been pursued by the God that I had stopped speaking to nearly two years before. What I know now that I didn't know in that moment is that I had been pursued by grace. Even though I had left the church, even though I had left God, God had not left me. And that was the first of many, many important lessons. That's all for now. We will continue this in the next episode of Finding Faith. Until next time.